Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Title II of the Drug Quality and Security Act of 2013, referred to as the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, or DSCSA, was designed to ensure the safety and integrity of our nation's drug supply and prevent counterfeit medications from entering the market. It gave a 10-year timeline to have a completely electronic, interoperable system in place to track a drug from the manufacturer through the supply chain to the patient. 10 years are up, and we at Vizient are providing a multi-episode series on this complex topic. I'm Gretchen Brummel, and here to give us the straight talk about DSCSA in our first episode, Ready, is Carolyn Liptak, my fellow pharmacy executive director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Welcome back to the podcast. Carolyn, let's start with the basics. Just in case someone hasn't been paying attention, what is DSCSA about at its core? Hi, Gretchen. Thanks for having me. At its core, the goal of DSCSA is to help ensure the safety and security of the U.S. pharmaceutical supply chain. The requirements aim to deter, detect, and remove potentially dangerous drugs by developing an electronic interoperable system for tracing prescription drugs as they move through the U.S. supply chain and establishing national standards for licensure for wholesale distributors and third-party logistics providers. DSCSA applies to prescription drugs in finished dosage forms like capsules, tablets, and injections. Does not apply to over-the-counter medications, blood or blood components, radioactive drugs, imaging drugs, medical gases, or lawfully compounded drugs like the ones we see from a 503B compounding pharmacy. And there has to be a change of ownership for DSCSA to apply. So there are some exceptions, moving inventory around hospitals under common control or selling minimal quantities to a licensed pharmacist, from a licensed pharmacist to a licensed practitioner. Central distribution warehouses or central pharmacy locations, once verified, can move medication around those locations without further tracking and tracing. All of this became public law on November 27th of 2013. The FDA established an implementation pathway that spread out over the next 10 years leading up to this November 27th, 2023. So we've been expecting this for quite some time and folks should be familiar with a lot of the foundational concepts here, but thank you for that refresher. That'll be really helpful to set the stage for some of the other things that we're going to talk about today. Talk to me about some of the language we need to be familiar with to be ready. We have manufacturers, repackagers, wholesalers and distributors. You mentioned 3PL, pharmacies. How does it all fit in? And really, what are the different responsibilities of each group? The term that we use to sort of collectively address all of those entities that you just mentioned, we call them authorized trading partners. And it applies to the manufacturers, repackagers, wholesale distributors, dispensers, and the 3PLs. Each trading partner must check the registration status of the other trading partners that they do business with. So if you're doing business with manufacturers and repackagers, you have to check the FDA drug establishment registration database. If you're doing business with the wholesale distributors and 3PLs, you have to check the FDA annual reporting database along with the individual state licensure websites for those wholesalers. And then for dispensers, you would check the applicable state dispensing licensing authority, which is typically the State Board of Pharmacy, but not always because dispensers commonly would be a retail pharmacy, a hospital pharmacy, or a group of chain pharmacies all under common ownership. Dispensers can also be any affiliated warehouse or 
or central distribution center of those pharmacies. And a dispenser could be any other person authorized by law to dispense or administer prescription drugs like physicians or other providers. Dispensers have three key responsibilities for DSESA compliance. We have to confirm the entities that we do business with are licensed or registered. We have to receive, store, and provide product tracing documentation. We have to investigate and properly handle any suspect or illegitimate drugs, including quarantining the product and reporting to the FDA. The second responsibility is probably the most complex, and it starts with the manufacturers, and then it follows the product as we move through the supply chain. Manufacturers are required to provide three pieces of key information, transaction history, the transaction information, and a transaction statement, what we call the three Ts. Right now it can be in paper or electronic format, but once we move to an all electric format on November 27th of 2023, only the transaction information and the transaction statement are necessary. The other thing that manufacturers have to do, a major role on their part, is they must affix or imprint a product identifier to each package intended to be introduced into commerce. This product identifier includes the product's national drug code, or NDC, a unique serial number, the lot number, and the expiration date. And it must be in both human and machine-readable format. So it has to be written and barcoded on the package. From there, wholesale distributors can only accept product if the manufacturer or other previous owner provides those three T's and only if the products are encoded with the product identifier. Also, they can only take product back through a saleable return if it includes the transaction history for the product. So now moving further down the supply chain, pharmacists can only accept prescription drugs that are accompanied by the three T's and include this product identifier. All of this is stated very clearly in the Drug Security Supply Chain Act itself. Pharmacies have to verify the product identifiers at the package level and store the product tracing documentation in electronic format for the next six years. They have to provide all product tracing documentation with the transaction if they sell to another trading partner or pharmacy. But the tracking and tracing does not apply when they dispense the prescription to the patient or if they sell to a pharmacy dispensing to a specific patient. So that's how the product will be traced through the supply chain. It's really helpful to have those roles and responsibilities well-defined. Thank you for that clarity. And at this point in the timeline, what sorts of things should we have taken care of already? I'm going to be talking about the dispensers. We as the dispensers, as you can tell, we're at the end of the supply chain. We should be making sure that we can receive, store, retrieve, and send the TI and TS information in a secure electronic interoperable manner. We need to make sure that the transaction information includes the data elements of the product identifier that I just spoke about at the package level. We need to have systems and processes in place for verification at the package level, systems and processes in place for promptly responding to a request by the FDA or other federal or state official. We need to have systems and processes in place to promptly facilitate the gathering of the information, the TI and TS information, if we're sending product back to a manufacturer or a saleable return back to a wholesaler. And then lastly, because state boards of pharmacies will be involved in DSCSA, to really reach out to them and know your specific state's standards and requirements. So hopefully a lot of that background work has been done. What should be on our immediate to-do list? 
So there's many things that our members should be considering at this point and should be working on. Last month, the FDA provided some guidance and they recommend, but do not require, that all trading partners use the Electronic Product Code Information Services or EPCIS standard to provide and maintain the data associated with the transaction information and the transaction statements. The EPCIS is a global GS1 standard that allows trading partners to capture and share information about products as they move through the supply chain. There has been considerable agreement among industry stakeholders, such as manufacturers and wholesale distributors, that EPCIS is the most suitable standard to adopt for the enhanced drug distribution requirements. And the FDA recommends that trading partners make a collaborative effort to follow the same standards. So as a result of the use of EPCIS, which requires the use of global location numbers or GLNs, most manufacturers and wholesale distributors are requiring that the dispensers they sell to have a GLN for each ship to location in their organization by November 27th, 2023. So you mentioned a GLN. What is a GLN? Do I need one? How do I get one? Who needs one? Global location numbers, or GLNs, are 13-digit unique data structures that identify an illegal, functional, or physical location within a business or organizational entity. A GLN, in terms of using them within DSCSA, it actually identifies the physical location where the medication will be shipped. So a GLN can apply to places like warehouses, pharmacies. It can even be the dock doors to the back of your hospital if that's where you receive drugs. So. Early on in the DSCSA pathway, around 2015, 2016, to help jumpstart the process, assuming that we would be eventually using GLNs, GPOs, including us at Vizient, began enumerating GLNs for our member providers. Wholesale distributors also began enumerating GLNs for their customers that were not part of a hospital-based health system. Those assigned GLNs can certainly be used now, However, if new GLNs are needed, in other words, if you have a newly opened location or perhaps a newly acquired location, dispensers have to obtain additional GLNs at the organizational level. Although we can no longer enumerate GLNs on our provider members' behalf, we at Vizient do provide training, support, and access to the GS1 data hub so each organization can manage their own GLN accounts going forward. So you asked, you know, do you need one? How do you get one? If you're a dispenser and you're unsure if a GLN has been assigned, it's best to reach out to your GPO or your wholesale distributor, or at least to start there to see if a GLN's already be assigned. And then what are the next steps to get any additional ones you might need? That's a very helpful action step that you recommended. What else have we been doing at Vizient to help our provider members get ready for this? So we've been really heavily focused on DSCSA this last year, particularly since last summer when the FDA released some guidance documents. And so we've conducted repeated readiness surveys to see just how ready our members are to identify gaps where we can hopefully provide some additional education and plug some of those gaps. We provided membership-wide webinar earlier this year, ongoing updates through our monthly member-facing sourcing calls, monthly pharmacy newsletters, our weekly hot info announcements. We also 
created a DSCSA webpage. And on this DSCSA webpage, we have information from the FDA, including links to their information and webinars. We have plenty of Vizient resources, for example, how to obtain GLNs. We also list on our website previous webinars that we've provided and a side-by-side comparison of functionality for our contracted solutions providers and the major wholesalers. And then, of course, we're doing this podcast series. I think that's a lot of great information that you've pulled together for people. We'll make sure to put links to all those deliverables in the show notes for this episode. You had mentioned we have an important date coming up, November 27th, 2023. Tell me about what happens on that date. Originally, we were expecting full enforcement of the DSESA requirements on November 27th of 2023. But on Friday, August 25th, the FDA announced the availability of the final guidance for industry regarding the enforcement of requirements. So essentially in that document, the FDA explained that until November 27th of 2024, they do not intend to take action to enforce the following requirements. And these were five key requirements that we've all been working toward. The first is that the transaction information and the transaction statements needing to be exchanged in a secure, interoperable manner. The systems and processes that were required to be in place for verification of product at the package level, including the standardized numerical identifier. The systems and processes that were required to promptly respond with the transaction information and transaction statement upon request by appropriate federal or state officials. The systems and processes that were required to be in place when returning product to a manufacturer or a wholesale distributor. All of those requirements that we were all working toward for November 27th of 2023 will still be implemented on that date, but the FDA will not take action to enforce them. The FDA believes the compliance policies outlined in the guidance will help supply chain stakeholders, particularly trading partners, by accommodating the additional time that may be needed to continue to develop and refine appropriate systems and processes so that they can conduct an interoperable electronic tracing at the package level and to achieve robust supply chain security under DSCSA while helping ensure continued patient access to prescription drugs. The stabilization period will accommodate an additional year until November 27th of 2024 to allow trading partners to implement, troubleshoot, and mature their electronic interoperable systems. The FDA expects trading partners to use the stabilization period to build and validate interoperable systems and processes, manage products and data, and ensure continuity of the supply chain and product availability to patients. The FDA made it very clear that the guidance is not intended to provide and should not be viewed as providing a justification for delaying efforts by trading partners to implement the enhanced drug distribution security requirements. The FDA strongly urges trading partners to continue their efforts to implement necessary measures to satisfy these enhanced drug distribution security requirements that were introduced in 2013. So what I'm hearing from you is that our members should still continue to work towards these goals and not take their foot off the gas at all. We're just getting a little bit of a stabilization period in order to make that work happen. And what is the impact of the recent FDA announcement? So earlier this year in June and July, several industry stakeholders, including the Healthcare Distribution Alliance, the National Association of Chain Drug Stores, the American Pharmacists Association, and the National Community Pharmacists Association, all reached out to the FDA to express their concerns about the lack of readiness of manufacturers, wholesale distributors, and dispensers when they expressed their concerns to the FDA. Although these 2023 requirements have been known since 2013, given the complexities of these requirements, 
means many manufacturers were not ready or were concerned that they would not be ready by this November to send package level data to their customers. And if they were ready, much of the data would be inaccurate. Given the specific requirements that product has to move through the supply chain, specifically electronically, including the three T's and must be serialized or it should not be dispensed to patients, there were concerns that there could be disruptions in supply chain. The concern that was expressed that this lack of readiness could create serious risks to pharmaceutical supply and patient care. These organizations suggested to the FDA a stepwise phased-in approach. Given the announcement from the FDA that they would delay enforcement, we certainly appreciate this stabilization period that they're allowing. It allows all of us to use this time to further develop and refine our interoperable systems and processes while helping ensure continued patient access to prescription drugs. I think that's a great perspective. And I really want to thank you, Carolyn, for joining us today. It's been great having you on. Thank you, Gretchen, for having me. And listeners, please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.